At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, it's Monique. Welcome back to the podcast. A welcome if this is your first time listening This is the Brown Vegan Podcast, episode 184. And with this show, I love to present veganism from a practical perspective to help everyday people go vegan in a way that feels good to them. I also love to dive into overall wellness topics like money and mental health. And we also like to explore vegan entrepreneurship topics as well, because veganism is truly a lifestyle. It's so much more than food. Come hang out with me on Instagram and on YouTube. I'm Brown Vegan on both of those platforms. So yes, I hope you're having an amazing day. I am here sipping some black tea. I'm in a really, really good mood. I'm so thankful. I'm always thankful when I wake up and I just feel so refreshing. My sleep has been good. It's kind of gloomy outside. You know, it's hot out there. It's rainy, but my energy feels good. So that's all that matters, right? So on this today's show, we have another conversation. This is going to be a part of the money series, you know, where I like to explore money topics and talk about finances on the show very openly. And that's what we're going to do today. I have Philip Dancy on the show from dancywithmoney.com. In my conversation with Philip, we talk about budgeting, paying yourself first, the importance of having sinking funds leveraging credit cards to get some dope rewards from them and how Philip and his wife have been able to accumulate a six-figure net worth before the age of 30. So yeah, I love this conversation. And Marley, his dog also had to make an appearance too. So shout out to Marley for being a part of our conversation as well. Of course, all of the show notes and everything we mentioned in this episode can be found at brownvegan.com under episode 184. Make sure that you reach out to Phil if you want to work with him. His website is dancywithmoney.com. Before we get into the episode, I want to shout out this week's five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It's from Mama J2802. And she writes, I love this podcast, Monique. You're such a great interviewer and have great guests. I appreciate how real and transparent you are. It makes you so easy to relate to. And when I fell off from being vegan, your podcast gave me non-judgmental encouragement to go day by day. I think it's important for black and brown people to see such people who look like them in this vegan space. I like the variety of guests you have that represent veganism in such a diverse space. I also enjoy your solo episodes where you keep it 100% with your listeners. From when I started listening to you until now, I hear your confidence grow and I'm excited to see what's in store for you. Thanks for your quality content and I hope to get to meet you one day. Ah, thank you so much. If you are enjoying the podcast, make sure you go over to Apple Podcasts, search Brown Vegan, scroll down, 
tap five stars and leave me a review. Let me know what topics you're enjoying. What do you want to hear in solo episodes? What do you want to hear from guests? Who you want on the show? All of that jazz. And I will be happy to read it on a future episode for you. Thank you so much for everybody in advance who's leave, who left a comment and who will leave a comment. I appreciate y'all. So yes, without further ado, let's go ahead and jump right into the conversation with Philip. How did you feel about money growing up? Did you even have an f- opinion about money as a young child before your teen years? Like, what did that look like for you? How I felt about money growing up was, you know, my mom constantly had to tell me like, hey, don't, don't let that money burn a hole in your pocket. Because like a lot of times, every single time I got money, whether it's from, you know, birthday cards or holidays and stuff like that, like I was... You know, I was definitely out there just spending it on, on whatever I could. But I think at that point in time, I was probably playing video games. So it was like video games, getting the latest system. And, you know, I really wasn't setting money aside for the future. But, you know, my parents, they still tried to instill in me like, hey, you know, set some money aside for the future. You know, you got to save credit, stuff like that. But yeah, for the most part, I really wasn't trying. I really wasn't saving as a child. You know, if I if I would have known how expensive it would be when we were older, like actually adulting, I probably would have been saving a lot more. But yeah, I was just mainly just spending when I was younger. <laughs> Man, listen, I, I'll tell you, like I, I felt the same way. My mom used to say the same exact thing to me. She was just like, "It's okay to hold on to some money," and I would mm-hmm. be like, "Oh, good." And I don't know if that means that we probably felt a little secure growing up, meaning we always knew that the basics would be done. Maybe that's why we didn't really think too much about it, which is a, it's a good thing. It's a great thing, but also, of course, <laughs> that means we didn't save. So, when did you realize in your life that okay, maybe I need to make saving a priority? Because I know for your brand now, that's like very important, like budgeting and saving money. Mm-hmm. So, when was that that shift? When did that happen for you? I would say it happened to me during college. So, while I went to university, some of the criteria that we needed in order to graduate was to obtain like internships. And then while at college, that's when I moved off campus. So as soon as I moved off campus, that's kind of when it got like, when it got real. It was like, okay, like I have have to pay rent. I have to make sure that we have some groceries in the fridge and things of that nature. So during the internships, that's when, okay, I realized, okay, I actually need to, because I mean, during the internships, they were, they were paying kind of decent, decent bread. So it's like, I realized that in order for me to survive during the school year, I had to take those those three months that I was getting salary and, you know, set it aside because again, I had to pay for rent, food, and I kinda had to like plan way ahead because it's like, okay, this is how much I need for rent for the entire year. So this is how much I need to set aside on average, this is probably how much we're going to be spending on groceries. So I need to set this money aside as well because you know, during the school year, I kind of just wanted to focus on my school, schoolwork mm-hmm. instead of having to work during the year. So I was probably a little bit more strict on myself versus, you know, the average college student who probably just had to worry about, you know, rent and was comfortable working during the school year. I, I personally just didn't want to work during the school year. So I was saving a lot of money during my internship. So I would, I would say that's kind of when I realized, okay, like I need to kind of manage my money a little bit better during college. Yeah. Wow. So you were basically during that three months, was it a three month internship? It sounds like. Yeah. So, I mean, 
10, 10 weeks, three months, however you want to call and, it. And you saved enough for the semester during that time? Like the whole, was it the whole year or just that one semester kind of thing? Yeah, no, so it was a whole year. So, I mean, I wow. had roommates. So when it came to the rent, and then Hampton was pretty cheap. So I would say like my portion was maybe like $300 or something like that a month. Okay, so it's like, yeah. It, it wasn't it wasn't anything too crazy compared to what I'm having yeah. now. <laughs> I want to say because I know because Hampton is way cheaper than where well, you're in Northern Virginia now, right? New Jersey. Oh come on, see, yeah, Hampton, <laughs> Hampton was peanuts. Exactly. <laughs> compared to that, yeah, I yeah, yeah. I wish had those prices. <laughs> right, right. Okay, I love that. So you knew that you wanted to focus on just your education during that time, and didn't want to have to balance both. So you saved all your money for that. That's yep. cool. So when you got out of school and then you were able to secure your first position, did you automatically get into the pay yourself first mindset or was it just you were just kind of having fun in the beginning since you had like a whole salary <laughs> during yeah. that time? Before? Yeah. As soon as I got my first paycheck, it was the whole like paying myself first because you know I actually moved up to New Jersey with my, she's my girlfriend at the time. She's my wife now, but we moved up to New Jersey together because she had a job up here as well. So she was technically in New Jersey. I was in New York, but we lived together. So knowing that, hey, I have to come up with my half of all the bills, whether that's rent, you know, groceries, things of that nature. We Even before we got up here, we sat down together and really established a budget, a realistic budget for the both of us, you know, prioritizing, you know, saving, investing, but at the same time, still, still having fun during the process. Like I call that play money. Another reason why we were already, you know, setting money aside since we started working is because we had this goal of home ownership. I think we each decided to set aside, I want to say it was like $5,000 a year each, because I think we had signed like a two-year lease we were under the assumption like hey you know after these two years we're gonna get our get ourselves a house and all that stuff and then when we got to the end at least we realized okay like this housing process is a little bit more than expected you know home prices were a little bit crazy yeah but i would say like as soon as we graduated got our first paycheck we were paying ourselves first but it was also because of that big goal that we had what started setting money aside for home ownership So in your relationship, it sounds as far as budgeting, I love that because you had, I think sometimes a lot of, well, a lot of times people have an issue with saving and budgeting because they don't really know how it benefits them. So can you kind of talk to that point as far as, because a lot of times, you know, that people think budgeting is restrictive and it's basically saying they can't spend their money. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's actually saying, you know, telling your money where to go instead of just seeing it disappear every two weeks. So what do you exactly. want to say as far as what people should consider when it comes to budgeting and paying themselves? When it comes to budgeting or just your goals in general, I think it's important to understand your why. So, like, why are you budgeting? Why are you setting this goal? It could be, hey, like for us at the beginning when we started working, it was home ownership, or for someone else, it could be early retirement or, hey, I want to be able to travel four or five times during the year. So in order for you to do whatever you want to do, it could be eating out, hanging out with friends, traveling, home ownership, early retirement, you have to budget. So it's like, I think having that top of mind, having that goal established before you even start budgeting is definitely key. And then I would also just say, 
figure out a budgeting approach that works for you. Um, I want to say the most common one that you would see in a lot of the personal finance space and just in general is really, it's called like the 50, 30, 20 rule. So 50% goes towards your needs. That could be rent or your mortgage, groceries, electricity, anything that you absolutely need in order to survive. 30% goes towards your wants. So that could be getting your hair done, nails done, eating out, hanging out with friends. And then I want to say the 20% goes towards your investing and savings goals. I think that is a great beginner-like type allocation. Like if you're not trying to you know, assign every single line or every single dollar to something, I think that's a great way to start budgeting. Personally, I like to do zero-based budgeting. Uh, you know, like, like we were just talking earlier about how, you know, assigning every single dollar a task. That way it's like, I don't have, I'm not at the end of the month wondering where my money went. Everything has a task. It's like, okay, this is going towards X. This is going towards Y. I personally think it's, it's the best way to budget. However, yeah, I would definitely suggest, you know, starting off with the 50, 30, 20 rule if you're just starting off budgeting. And then also figure out a, I guess you would call it like a median in order to perform your budgeting, whether it's Excel, pen or paper. There's tons of apps out there. I want to say Mint is the most popular one. I think a lot, a lot of people talk about Mint. Personal capital, I mainly use that for tracking my net worth. However, it does have features in order to help you categorize where your budget is going, how much you're spending month over month. But personally, I'm a big fan of Excel, just like typing in the numbers. And I have like macros in my spreadsheet. So everything updates automatically whenever I do stuff. But yeah, find out what works best for you. Like some people, they don't want to sit down week over week in order to track their stuff. So they they might be better off using an app like Mint. Or some people actually like plugging in the numbers, so they might be better using off Excel or pen and paper. So yeah, yeah I would just say those few things are definitely things to consider when it comes to budgeting or just saving in general. Yeah, I get the feeling that you're someone that finds it fun. You like playing with the numbers. <laughs> is, that, is that true? <laughs> it, it's very true. It's very true, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so as far as money and relationships, because I know that's like a hot... <laughs> a hot button for a lot of people. It sounds like with you and your, at the time, your girlfriend, y'all set, set off at like a good foundation because home ownership was the goal at the time. Mm-hmm. And you guys were able to get on track with that. But now that you are working and you both, you know, have everything going and you have this six figure net worth, do you guys still have money meetings or was that something that you just pretty much did earlier in your relationship? We, I would, we definitely still have money meetings. So it's not like, so when it comes to my clients, I try to encourage them to have them like every Sunday or at least once a month. For us, it's a little bit more fluid now. Like we'll just mm-hmm. be on a random walk and, oh, Phil, like for example, she has equity options at her job. Oh, Phil, like what are we going to do about my options? Stuff like that. Like we'll just be on a random walk. But I would say the reason why it's also just fluid is because a lot of our stuff is automated. So it's like, it's not really changing month over month. Like, the platform or that transfer is happening automatically. So it's not like we have to go in there and physically do it. But yeah, we definitely still have conversations like whenever it comes to like big ticket items, like for example, earlier this year, she wanted a mirror, like a floor length mirror, or whatever you call it for the room. So we discussed that, how we were going to do that, make that purchase. 
but for the most part, yeah, we're definitely still having money meetings, but it's not, it's not like a set date because everything is pretty much automated for us. And then, you know, I go in on a weekly basis through the budget and then, yeah, so that's kind of how we run our, run our household. Yeah, let me interject real quick because I hear your, is that your dog? <laughs> yeah, it's Miss <laughs> Marley. Like, what's his name? Marley. Marley. Okay, I always see him on stories. And I feel like he is like running your life. No, you yet. can admit it. <laughs> no, he definitely <laughs> does. Like she is, she's the queen of the household. Like she. Oh, she, is she. Yeah. Is she. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> when I see her on stories, I'm always cracking up. I'm like, this dog got it going on over there. <laughs> I'm telling you really what to spoiled. do. <laughs> yeah, I love how you tell your clients to do the, the money meetings because a lot of times people aren't even comfortable talking about money in their own situation. But as far mm-hmm. as a relationship, that could be a lot. So, you oh, know, yeah. making it like a requirement to get people comfortable is a good idea. I love that. What categories should we think about when it comes to our budget? You know, of course, we know, like you said, the household expenses and things like that. And then Mm -hmm. the nails. Are you or someone that's really into sinking funds, like making sure that you save money for insurance that you may pay yearly or other things that may come up, like inspections for your cars? Like, how do you handle your sinking funds if you do those? I absolutely love sinking funds. I think sinking funds is a great way to not get caught off guard when it comes to those expenses that you know are coming up. Like for example, every single year Christmas comes around and you know, pretty much like 11 to 12 months in advance that this major holiday is going to come up. So it's like, Hey, if I'm able to start setting aside $50 a check or a hundred dollars a check for this major holiday, because I like, if I'm a person that likes giving gifts, I think it's the better way to do that versus, you know, waiting to the last second putting on a credit card and then using the next few months to pay it off. So I definitely use sinking funds. We do them via markets by Goldman Sachs. They allow us to have like one, one savings account, but you're able to like have multiple buckets within that saving account. So for example, one of our biggest sinking funds is traveling. We set aside a few hundred dollars, every single paycheck in order to, you know, potentially travel during the year. And then that way, when it's time to actually travel, we're not like scrambling at the last second trying to get this money. It's like more so, okay, this is how much our flight's going to cost. Okay, we have that in the sinking fund. Let's put it on a credit card, get our points, pay the card right off. And then for for stuff like car maintenance, yeah, we set aside, I think it's $30 a paycheck. We do that in our regular checking savings account just so we have like quicker access for it. But yeah, similar situation with the trips, like put on the credit card, pay right off. Because again, you know, got to get that oil change. I think it's like every 3,000 miles or three months. So we know it's going to come up versus, you know, just letting it come up. And then I'm scrambling, trying to rebalance the budget, figure out where that extra money is going to come from. So, but I guess to backtrack back to that whole gift situation, I think the best way to establish a sinking fund is figure out how much you'll need. Let's say, for example, you want to spend $1,200 during the holiday season. Figure out how much you need, the time frame, let's just say 12 months. Divide that number by the amount total amount that you need. And then boom, now you have this number that you need to start saving on a monthly basis. So for $1,200, it'll just be $100 every single month. 
yeah, I would say definitely put it in an account that you're not going to get tempted to constantly spend. So definitely a Marcus or an Ally or an Amex or just a high yield savings in general, just so you're not easily able to transfer back and forth and use it. So I would say sinking funds are lifesavers and everyone should definitely utilize them. Yeah, I agree. So as far as your when you pay yourself first, do you have a lot of payroll deduction set up to go automatically to accounts to save money? And if so, I'm sure I feel like you do because you just already talked about you and your wife talking about automation. But mm-hmm. how much money are you typically putting aside if you don't mind sharing like around percentages? Percentages. I should know off the top of my head. <laughs> but okay. You said you do no. or you don't? I, I said I should know like everything. So I'm basically, you don't. That's why I asked the question. <laughs> <laughs> so when it comes to the 401k, I think it's at 13 or 14 percent pre tax. So that's does your company home. match? Yeah, the company does match. I think nice. it's four and a half percent up to the first six percent. So it's pretty decent. And then, so that's from a 401k perspective 13, 14 percent HSA. So we're maxing that out. I don't know the percentage, but I know it's. 247 a check because my company does give us, I believe it's $1,500 and they chop that up each quarter. And Mm -hmm. then outside of that, we are definitely saving around 40, 40 to 50% of our take home, putting that into, you know, our IRAs, our brokerage account, our crypto account. So yeah, we're definitely saving a, Decent amount of money. <laughs> wow. Each, right? You said over 40% each? Yeah. So we combined our finances. Yeah. So 40%. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. I love that. So I noticed <laughs> you, you always talked about, you always talk about crypto and things like that on social media. Mm-hmm. And look, I wanted to ask you about it, but I know nothing. <laughs> Every time, I, I swear, like, I, I feel like I'm a reasonably intelligent person, but mm-hmm. when I, anytime I do any research on any of this, I just don't feel like I know what's happening and I'm just, I give up every time. Do you mind sharing a little bit about how you got into it and why? So my wife actually, the reason why I got into it is because my wife actually works at a crypto firm. I never even thought about that existing, but that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So with her working at a crypto firm, that's kind of when I got like really interested into it because, you know, she's getting exposed to all these meetings. I'm you know, I'm not really supposed to, but hey, I, I kind of, I overhear Maybe. the meetings. <laughs> exactly, I overhear the meetings. So it's like, but as soon as she started working, that's kind of when I started taking a deeper dive into it. And I want to say the the technology that I got interested in is really blockchain. Blockchain technology is pretty much just a general ledger and all the information is in these blocks. And the cool thing about blockchain is that most cases it's a lot, for example, in the financial services industry, you know how when you're trying to make transfer, let's say you're trying to make a transfer overseas, it, it has to go through so many different hands and everyone's taking a piece of your money before it gets to the end user versus blockchain technology where, hey, I if I want to send you money, I send this money via the blockchain and it might get to you in, let's say, five minutes for a few pennies. So just understanding how blockchain can really just create more efficiencies within financial services. It could create transparency when it comes to government spending or, you know, better track records when it comes to the healthcare system. 
really got me interested within blockchain itself. And then, of course, you know, the bigger names such as like Bitcoin. I don't want to mess this up, but 21 million Bitcoin to ever be created and other coins out there, the other projects. That's kind of just ultimately how I just got interested in just understanding the technology and what it could possibly do for the future. Really what got me interested in and why we invest in crypto. Mm hmm. Yeah. So when most with most of your money going over to investing, well, it, it sounds like investing savings, a little combination of all of those things. Mm-hmm. What was the process like when you were able to get your net worth to six figures? Was it just automation? Was did it take as much effort as you thought it would initially? Was that always a goal of yours? How does that look? Yeah. So I think the six figures, it was never I wouldn't say it was never a goal, but it was never like, oh, I need to get the six figures. Like I was never thinking that. Like I think my my mindset, I would say I would say both of ours, but specifically my mindset kind of shifted over the time. When I first started working, I was more so trying to I think I was kind of title, job title hungry. I was like, Oh yeah, and I'm gonna be a VP or M D one day and this, that, and the third, like oh, I'm going to be making X amount of money and this is how much money I'm going to be able to have by the time I turn 65. Because when I first started working, I was like, oh, I'm going to be working till 65. But a few years into the, when I started working, I was like, no, I really actually don't really want to work till 65. I want to pursue early retirement. I'm not as, I'm not really title hungry anymore. It's more so work-life balance, things of that nature. But I never really had the goal of six figures. It was just more so how much money can I put aside without, you know, giving up like everything for our lifestyle. I would say there was definitely sacrifices during that time period. Like for example, when we first moved to Jersey, we both sold our cars because the apartment place, the apartment complex we moved to was trying to charge, I think like $350 a month for parking. And at that point in time, not to say that we were broke, however, it was like, that was just way too much money to be spending on a car where pretty much she could literally walk to work. She was two blocks away from work and I took the public transit to get to my job. So the car was never really going to be used day over day. So we made sacrifice. I think that was one. And we ended up using like zip cars and stuff like that to get around. I think when we first moved to Jersey, I would say like probably 75% of the furniture that we got, we got off of Craigslist, you know, nothing Mm -hmm. wrong with Craigslist, you know, you got to save money someplace and because (laughs) furniture is expensive when you think about it, but we definitely made those type of sacrifices. And then also, so my wife, she was studying for her CPA at that point in time and indirectly her studying for her CPA kind of, I feel like kind of saved us a lot of money as well because we weren't traveling as much. Because a majority of the time she had to study, like that's how committed she was. Like there were days where we have a group of friends, we call them like hashtag black couples. Like we used to hang out with them or we, we like to hang out with them all the time, but there were definitely occasions where my wife is like, nope, can't hang out this weekend. I have to study or nope, I can't go down to Maryland to see my family during this major holiday because I had to study. So I think indirectly her studying for her CPA and being really studious and focused on that allowed us to also save money, a lot of it. And then I would say back to that whole title hungry, 
during that first few years, I definitely was focused on increasing my income as quick as possible. So that also helped a lot when it came to reaching that first six figures. And then I, during that process, I was really using, we were using like robo advisors. Mm -hmm. I wasn't picking any sort of stocks. I was letting the algorithm choose everything for us because I, at that point in time, like I was, I understood it. However, I wasn't comfortable choosing it myself. Mm -hmm. So I just let the algo choose everything. I think that's kind of, kind of also how, kind of also a reason why we were able to get to six figures when we did because we were letting the computer do everything. It was a good few years instead of choosing a stock and it goes down 40% and now I'm mad. Yes, I would just say all those all those things helped out. <laughs> mm-hmm. There was a whole thing. I love it. So what is your relationship like with credit cards? I noticed that you mentioned that you guys like to take the money from the sinking fund, mm-hmm. put it on a card and then pay it off. Are you someone who typically pays your bill, your credit card bill in full each month or how does that look for you? Yeah, absolutely. So I love credit cards. When they're used correctly, they can definitely be your best friend. I want to say like within the personal finance space, you'll see a lot of people talk about it, whether it's, you know, flight miles, points, hotel points, uh, cash back. I think it's, it's, it's a great tool to have in your pocket. But yeah, to answer your question, we definitely do pay it off every single month. I think that's one of the best ways to take 100% advantage of the credit card. I feel like I probably, this is probably earlier in my career where I probably only paid interest maybe once or twice ever. But the rest of the time, that's where we haven't been hit with interest. We're able to use like the points. So before we were using like a Bank of America cashback card and we would actually use the cash back to either put back on the card or, you know, back then when we didn't have as much money as we do now, we would use that extra twenty, thirty dollars to go eat out somewhere. <laughs> so mm-hmm. just had to get creative with it. So I would definitely say credit cards can be your best friend if used properly for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. What is your like, because I feel like you're on very on track with a a lot of this and you were fortunate to also have a partner who feels the same way. It looks like about money as far as making sure that you guys not only can retire early, but just enjoy your life at the same time. So what do you think is holding a lot of us back from just really getting to where we want to be financially? I think it's just a few things. For example, I want to say one main, it's a few things. Yeah. One main thing is really our mindset when it comes to money. I think a lot of us can agree that we were, when we were younger, especially in the black community, we were always taught to save our money, but we were never talked about in terms of investing our money. So like saving, yeah, definitely great. You know, get that emergency fund, set money aside for trips and stuff. But at some point in time, we do have to start switching gears in our mindset to growing our money because, you know, for example, right now, your Ohio savings is going for 0.6% versus, let's let's not even talk about the last year or so, but typically on average, you know, the market is growing 10 to 12, 10 to 12% year over year. So we're, if we as a culture, we're so focused on saving our money, it's not really working for us. Versus that other person that is willing to invest their money. Yes, understand that there's going to be red days. 
Like we've been mm-hmm. having a bunch of red days over the last few months. I it was going to say a lot of them. Yeah, <laughs> it, it definitely sucks. However, it's just it's just a part of the game. Who knows? By the end of this year, we could be up 20, 30%. We don't know. But it's that, it's that mindset. Like we were never taught to invest our money. It was more so, more towards our savings. And then also, I think it boils down to just the, I think culture. Like I think a lot of us, and my wife and I were talking about this the other day. I think a lot of us, we get caught up in some of the materialistic aspects of our life whether it's the type of car that we drive, you know, buying it brand new versus used or the clothes that we wear, the the jewelry, the watches, where you live. We're kind of like, we, as a culture and just in general, we want to show that we're wealthy when in reality, we're not that wealthy. Stuff like that. Like it really just boils onto the mindset. So I would say like the savings versus investing, the wearing or showing our wealth and, I think just lack of knowledge, just in general. I think, for example, I think especially in the black community, like we were taught that, hey, you need to get a whole life, whole life insurance. When in reality, most of us, we would be better off with like a term Term because it's just a little bit, it's a little bit cheaper. You know, you're not paying the crazy fees during the first three to five years of your whole life policy where that money could be going into your Roth IRA or a brokerage account actually growing for you. And then on top of that, like the thing that I really don't, the thing that I don't like about whole life is like the fact that I have to borrow against it and pay interest. It doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. If it's my money, (laughs) if it's my money, why do I have to pay interest on it? So it's just like, just the, the knowledge of different accounts that we could be using versus just, oh yeah, my mom told me I have to get a whole life, so I'm going to get a whole life. No, mm-hmm. just do a little bit more research. You might realize that term is a little bit better for you. But yeah, I would just say, it's just, and then lastly, I would say just the goals. I think we don't see, for me, I don't see a lot of young people pursuing early retirement. So it's like, you don't have an example sometimes. So you don't see, okay, there's this person who grew up where I lived, they are, let's say, 10, 15 years older than me, but they're living, they're living their life. I don't, we don't typically have that example within our community of people making it and working at nine to five or be, being an entrepreneur and actually making it. So I would just say it's just, just a bunch of stuff that we need to address. Yeah, very, very good points. And especially speaking of like the financial goal part, mm-hmm. I know that you talk about a three-step approach to setting, like how to set financial goals for yourself. So yeah. I want you to share that for us because I think that goes right along with that last question. So I think the first piece is really your why. Under having your why at the top of your head really keeps you grounded to help you really make decisions. So for my wife and I, we... We want to pursue early retirement. So with every decision, every financial decision that we make, we have that top of mind. Having a top of mind really just keeps you grounded, focused, things of that nature. Then I would just say the next piece is really around smart goals. Make sure that it is the goal is specific. You know, you can't just say, oh, okay, I want to I, w- I want to save money. It has to be specific. It has to be, hey, I want to save this year, making sure that it's measurable. That's the the $1,200 piece, actionable, you know, making sure that you're able to do it on a monthly basis. Shoot, the RMT is slipping my mind. Relevant. Relevant, yeah. 
Yeah, relevant in time. And then so making sure that the goal is related to SMART. So you could just say, hey, I want to save $100 a month for the next 12 months for my Christmas seeking fund versus just saying, I want to save money for Christmas. So making sure that it's SMART and then making sure that you have an accountability partner or some sort of tracker. So I, I'm a definitely a firm believer in accountability partners, you know, sharing your goals instead of keeping them to yourself. Yeah, of course, don't share it to everybody because some, some people might be some haters. The people <laughs> that actually care about you, I think it's mm-hmm. definitely cool to share with them because at the end of the day, they can remind you from time to time, oh, hey, Phil, how's that sinking fund coming? Or how's that goal coming? Oh, yeah, thanks for checking in. Like, it's actually going well. Or wow, thanks for reminding me. I actually need to, you know, get back on track on doing that or just having some sort of tracker where you, you know, every single time you make a deposit or a transfer, you're just able to write it down and hold yourself accountable. So yeah, I would say remembering or having your why at the top of your head, making sure that it is a smart goal and then tracking or having some sort of accountability partner in place is really the three-step way to make sure that you achieve your goals. Mm-hmm. Do you guys know, I know you want early retirement before 65. Do you have an idea of when that's going to happen? With the way this market's moving, but I would probably say like 35, hopefully. Yeah. So definitely 35, probably 35, maybe even to 40, 35 to 40 for sure, because there's some things shifting in our finances, but yeah. Yeah. So what are your plans? Uh, have you even had a chance to think that far yet as far as what your plans will look like afterwards? Wait, is that Marley? Yeah, that's Marley. <laughs> Marley, she's, she's just like, listen, wrap this up. <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah. I need my attention. <laughs> so good. Yeah. Uh, so I definitely want to do dance with money full time, you know, help mm-hmm. individuals with their personal finances. And I always joke with my wife. I'm just like, yeah, I want to I want to learn how to fly a small plane or a helicopter and stuff like nice. that. But yeah, I would definitely I think one of the main things I want to do is pursue dance with money full time, because at that point in time, like I we wouldn't be worried about how our bills are going to be paid. So that way I could devote like 100% of my time towards that and not worry about, okay, how am I going to pay my electricity or mortgage or rent at that point in time? She definitely wants to do entrepreneurship. She has her own virtual CFO services and she's actually pursuing it right now Mm -hmm. on the side of her job. So she's already stated that she wants to do that as soon as we reach early retirement. But yeah, I would just say entrepreneurship is definitely something that we would pursue and then of course traveling you know she always talks about oh i want to be able to go to go to our kids pta meetings and make my own schedule so those are definitely things that we have top of mind yeah that's some the freedom that doesn't get talked about enough the freedom Mm -hmm. of time so i love that yeah so speaking of your coaching how can we work with you tell us how to follow you on instagram and how to work with you so you can follow me on Instagram at Dancy with Money, D-A-N-C-Y with Money, or you can find me at www.dancywithmoney.com. On the site, you can either sign up for you know, coaching sessions. We have a blog aspect where we talk through various financial topics. We also have a segment where you can ask your question without giving your identity. Ask DWM where, hey, if you're not comfortable asking a question, 
you plug it into our system. I'll get back to you. I'll post it within like 24 to 48 hours. And then also I would definitely say like Instagram for sure. That's where I am the most active. I talk to my followers, things of that nature. So yeah, Dancing With Money and www.dancingwithmoney.com. Yes. Thank you so much for all for being on. This was such a pleasure and we look forward to connecting with you more. Appreciate having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the show. If you're enjoying the podcast, be sure to rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts to make it easy for others to find us. Also, tell a friend. Be sure to share the episode on your Instagram stories and tag Brown Vegan. Thank you so much for your support and I'll talk to you next week. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%.